1: Yesterday, join me on this, the second of the Western series, talks about the Western hero, charting the genre since the early 1900s. I'm joined by Kevin Sorbo, film actor, well-known for his role in Hercules and many other films recently, as well as Todd Allen, film actor who has currently been working in Texas on numerous films, and also Dr. Susan Anthony from England, who is a author and spiritual awareness teacher and mentor. Welcome to you all. Hi, there.
2: Thank you. Welcome.
1: I'd like to start off with uh, the definition of the genre. And I know, uh, Kevin and Todd, you're both really interested in this genre, and you both have sort of a plan here to try and get uh, back into the Western theme. Can I start with you, Kevin Sorbo? Can you sort of give me a definition of the Western theme as it stands today, given, given where it is and where it's gone in past years?
3: So where where the Western world stands today, well I, I've been told by many people that uh westerns are sort of a dying breed, but I d I don't know, I disagree with it. I, I get around the country enough and um, certainly have a number of people. I've shot through Westerns myself and I have fans all the time on, When you one, we want to see more westerns, so you know, Hollywood has a way of trying to force down the throat of people what they think is right and what's good and what's going to sell because of their own little agenda. But I think for the most part they're way off base. I don't think they have any clue as to what the public wants out there. It's usually done. Through their own politics and through their own deal making and their own favors with their own their, their friends, and that's what it comes down to. And uh, you know, we're we're stuck with what they decide we get to see in television and movies today.
1: So, Kevin, are you are you actively moving back into the western genre? Is that your plan here? Would you like to start making western films?
3: I I am. I've actually met with a couple of people. I've got I've got about four at least four, that deal with that world. That are that's that's fantastic, actually, and. Uh, uh, I just one of the one of the scripts I have called "Tranquility." It's a wonderful script, and uh, we were kicking around names for the people starting with me, and one came up was Anne Margaret for this part that she's perfect for. Well, weird things happen in this town too that are good. I bumped into Anne Margaret at a dinner party I was invited to just this past Saturday, and talked to her about it, and uh, had a wonderful talk with her yesterday, and I presented the script to her. So I'm just waiting to get word back from her. So I just think this is just weird. It's just, it's set, and it's, it's supposed to be happening this way.
1: What about yourself, uh, Todd? Um, I know that you are also looking at Westerns, and are you still in Austin at the moment?
4: I, I am in Austin at the moment. I'm, I'm actually filming um, on a television show called Friday Night Light. As you know, my Austin's my hometown. One of the things we've talked about before, David, is that, that it's go it's going to take, and it's my belief that it's going to take some guys like Kevin Sorbo and myself, and Kevin Costner, and and guys like guys like that who both have an understanding of the genre and 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 a love of the genre to you know reinvigorate that genre of filmmaking, and it, it's it's. Um, you know, I think we talked about it. I mean, the average, the average age of the studio or network executives is, is younger and younger and younger, and most of those people did not grow up on westerns, and and really don't have an understanding of them. So they they look at a movie like Unforgiven and they think it's a fluke, and it's it's not a fluke. You know, that was a great filmmaker with a great story that delivered a great movie, and. It, it, it didn't matter that it was a Western, it, that, that, that storyline would have worked in, in another genre, but it happened to be set in the West. I, so I, it,
1: I, I do want to go back though, Todd, back to this uh, definition from the American Film Institute, that they say, set in the America West, that embody the spirit, the struggle, and the demise of the new frontier. Is there anything contradictory in that, or what is that saying? Is that perhaps turning people off, if that's coming from the, the Film Institute?
4: You know what? I, I I hadn't heard that before, but I, I don't know. Um, the only thing I could I could speak to was, I guess, would be that you know the the the, the American West was such a period of expansion um, in America, and it was one of those things where there's a great scene in, in a movie that, that actually didn't do very well, but it's a it's a better movie than people give it credit for, and it's a movie that Ron Howard made with tom cruise and nicole kidman about the expansion of the west
1: Oh, far away or something far, like that far and away yes
4: you know there was a scene in that where where they give everybody a, a, a flag and a stake and and fired off a pistol and there was a race and you could go out there and stake out your property and you know there was a very much of that was the the expansion of america westward and you know, I, I think maybe what that quote is speaking to is when when it, all of that was over, then what, where did you go? And and so I think the, the legend of the gunfighter, I think the legend of the lawless town in the West, and, and, and all of that stuff where you were basically operating with no rules. Uh, you know, when somebody once said to me, uh, you know, I described a movie I wanted to make that was a Western, and they said, they said, "What's beautiful about this this story is, here's a guy who's riding into this lawless town with nothing, with nobody, and nothing on his side except right." And and I've I've always loved that description of of you know of the character in that movie, and, uh, and I, I believe that's somewhat emblematic of, of of some of those great stories,
1: you know. I tell you, no. I, I tell you, Todd. It's almost like you've written my notes because you've covered about half the program, and you're so <laughs> you're so ahead of me. I'm thinking, Is Sorry, it, has he got the notes in front of him? there?
4: Sorry, man. I'm I'm on bike <laughs> today.
1: <so>. Um, <laughs> but what, about Kevin? Um, interestingly, in the notes, I went back to the first 1913 film, and it was based upon Hiawatha and and. Uh, you saw that romantic literature behind it that the Longfellow talked about in his poetry. And then it then it brings in ancient tales, ancient legends, which is actually what was used for a lot of films later on, like Shane. It, it, have you always looked at, at the romantic side of storytelling when it comes to w- making westerns or any film?
3: Oh, well, no, no question. I, I think I looked at the romantic <laughs> side for almost most, most films. I mean, it, it, it's usually... Whether you have a horror film or a psychological thriller or whatever, there all seems to be some sort of side story going on that's got a love interest in it as well. But, uh, you know, yeah, you know, I guess we romanticize the past. It's it sort of, I think it's kind of human nature to do that. We, we, we sort of want to get rid of any of the negativity that's been in our lives and we want to look back in our lives and look back at just the positive things that, you know, brought us to where we are today and Westerns. Uh, you know, I, I, just, I grew up with Westerns. My father was big in the Westerns, whether it was, you know, Gunsmoke or the Big Valley or whatever it was, you know, I, I was in that, you know, room watching with my dad all the time as a kid. And, you know, as a, as a kid, we all grew up playing cowboys, Indians, banks, you know, robbers and cops and robbers and all that. But Westerns to me, I, I just love them. I, I met Robert Duvall a few years ago. I was very fortunate to meet him a few times since then. And I told him, I said, you know, I just shot my first Western. It's like three years ago. He looked at me, and sat down, he goes, you know what? Everybody wants to do Western. Everybody loves Western. And he's right. There's just, there's just something inherently cool about that time period. And the lawlessness, I think, is part of the attraction to that. I mean, if you look at people that took off from the East when they're heading West, think of I mean, covered wagons going over the mountains. I mean, come on, are you kidding me? We piss and moan if we got to take a five-hour flight from L.A. to New York. Like it's a big, you know, we guy got five hours on a plane, you know? freaking miracle we're able to do what we do these people would leave with 30 people and show up with eight you know and just people died I mean, whether it was indian attacks or whether it was you know bear attacks or they got bit by a rattlesnake or ate some bad fruit or something along the way I and mean, it was just such a you know a, a time of discovery and a time of uh, newness and just you know people didn't know what they're getting into and i i have that little adventure in me as well i'm the type of person when i live in new zealand filming hercules i would always take these big hikes on weekends to go to places I've never been before. And uh, I would look at that mountain and go to climb the top of that one today. You know, there's, just, there's something in human nature to want to ex- explore and experience something that they've never
1: done before. Bringing in Dr. Susan Anthony here because there you are in Glastonbury surrounded by all that uh, arterial um, history um do you, do you see that strong sense in in these films? Do you see it as actually being a uh, a vehicle for people going forwards in in storytelling in, in, in a Western or any film?
2: Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, the ancient mystics knew that what we think about and believe ultimately structures our reality. so one way to change our experience in our world is to change our thinking. And our ancestors helped us to become our best by reminding us of the hero inside through stories about the call to adventure, the hero's journey, the grail quest, the cowboy stories. And there really are so many parallels between the archetypal cowboy hero of the wild west and the seeker on the grail quest. Um, they both straight a willingness to stand up to evil and to do it alone if necessary and the cowboy is a symbol of the crucial hero virtues of bravery courage sacrifice loyalty determination valor selflessness independence and fortitude let's bring that back and
1: change our world. That that ha- actually has to be music to your ears, Kevin and Todd, isn't it? I, I mean, to, I mean, Todd, we've talked about that before. that, yeah, that i that, uh, that, and, and especially with your your script, the Midnight Hour. That that's there's so many of those elements in well, in a script like that.
4: Yes. As soon as we get off this phone, I think I'm going to propose
1: to Susan. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I accept. Oh, I'm. So, <laughs> I'm so pleased to bring you all together. <laughs>
2: can i just add too that although i'm english i have seen tons of westerns and the, the main imprint on me is that these incredible men on the frontier did not wring their hands in fear uncertainty and moral paralysis they stood up to evil in all its forms and defeated it and they became better people for it so bring it back.
3: And, and, and we need you know, those people. At the you time. know what? You're I, right. I, we need people like that today.
2: Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. It's like,
4: I, I think, and David, you and I touched on this the last time we spoke. It, it I, I think some of the reason that those stories stopped being told in that way were that there was a, a, a shift in America itself. There became a, There was a shift about what was right and what was wrong and what was gray and what was black and white and and things
3: began to be, be viewed through more of a gray, a, a, it's, a called gray politi- it's called political correctness
4: Absolutely It's the demasculization so,
3: uh, of men and Hollywood's doing a great job of trying to turn men into women Absolutely Absolutely
1: Okay, just before we go on I'm going to tear all these notes up <laughs> Um <laughs> So um I'm I get on to the iconic elements and and this is for for both of you guys because you're filmmakers and you you and I don't want to touch on this for too long but with the old films especially with the 70mm you have these cinematic values these romantic sweeping landscapes you know and you you have these cattle drives and and uh, you know all these you know hanging branches and, and and all these iconic values do you think Kevin that they apply anymore or would you use those as much as they would have been used 30 or 40 years ago
3: um well, i certainly would use them i mean i've got like i said i've got some western scripts that i don't do and you know, todd's obviously a big fan of the westerns too i mean i i love the big sweeping landscapes i love i love the uh the vistas that have been created in the past movies i, I think there's just, that's that's why people like to get themselves lost sitting in the dark theater they they want to escape into that world and you get out of the reality of the world that we're living in now because it's just it's just so full of negativity and uh, you know it's we're, we're all looking for the positiveness in life and I I just think that Westerns bring those as as we've all been ta- talking about now there's just always this more positive message that comes out of uh, people triumphing over tragedy and trying to make you know it's, it's the it's the good guy against the bad guy it's it's right over wrong it's the triumph of of uh, you know evil uh, being, you know, slammed and beaten up. I mean, people are tired of it now. we we got our modern-day uh, bad guys now and the terrorists around the world, and we sit there and all we do is hold their hands because we're afraid to offend them. I mean, that's crazy to me. It's just We live in just a very backwards, reverse society that worries about offending people. Meanwhile, they're just destroying their own lives at the same time.
1: What happened when we got into the 80s and 90s, when we we got to films like Unforgiven? but nah. you, you got to Unforgiven and and those sorts of, that sort of era and then you, you saw uh, Clint Eastwood with Kelly's Heroes and Kelly's Heroes had this in, incredible western type lyrical flow built into that he's obviously taken from the spaghetti westerns but then you get to Unforgiven what, what was Clint Eastwood trying to do with that, do you think he succeeded in that in, uh, in reinventing I, that
4: I, I, I think he did really well um, you know, like I said though, you know, there's a lot of people in Hollywood that are in positions of of you know, power if you if you want to call it that, that looked at that movie like an aberration. They looked at that they said, Well of course it's Clint Eastwood, he can make a Western but that's not what it was. That's not what it was. That was a really well written story and I think I told you I, I had that script five or six years before they made it. And it was called Horse Gold, and if you can believe it, it was even even darker than the one they made. I mean, it was edgier and more violent. And you know, I think Eastwood toned it down a little bit. But, but uh, that was an example of a filmmaker who understands the genre. I mean, and, and you and I talked about this. He, you know, his roots in westerns go back to. Sergio Leone and to and even even to Don Siegel in the way that he made that western. It was very spare, very stark. Um, if you remember that shot of him riding into that town when he's coming back to avenge his friend's death, man, that was a long shot of a single guy on a horse in the rain walking down the middle of the street, and it was and it was riveting. It was riveting because in your mind as the audience you are you know you're you're leaping ahead and wondering what's coming and that to me is you know a guy as a filmmaker that really understands storytelling and really understands the genre of a western now granted that that character was a flawed guy that was not Gary Cooper in High Noon that guy was you know a, a killer who had tried to erase his past and ultimately couldn't do it but, but nevertheless, um, you know, yes, I, I think to answer your question, Eastwood succeeded uh, remarkably well.
1: And that um, that 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 takes me to Susan Antony. Uh, Susan Antony, if we're we're talking about this hero, and he may be flawed, but does that necessarily um, take away from the story from from that hero position? Because we talk about the human being overcoming any obstacle and constantly making mistakes. But uh, does does, uh, even a portrayal of a man like that in Unforgiven, um, does it still define this sense of perseverance and and heart and and willingness to to go uh, to the nth degree to to prove something?
2: It does. And I mean, I think the story of the hero's journey has to be balanced because good people do bad things and bad people also do good things. And my sense is to... Following the footsteps of George Lucas and even Michael Eisner, who I met recently, who has weaved the hero's journey as a formula into all kinds of movies to uplift and inspire people. Um, and you know, it would work really well with a new cowboy archetypal hero who has the hard work ethic which we've lost today who can be disciplined to answer the challenge, overcome the fear to to go on the adventure, find the mentor, the wise advisor, complete the quest, restore the balance and harmony in, in himself and in his world. And Todd and Kevin, I think through your visionary creativity, you have the opportunity to revive the lessons of the road less traveled the grail quest where your cowboy boy hero has faced death survived has overcome his greatest fear slain the enemy or the monster weathered the crisis of the heart rejection abandonment betrayal and earns a reward and brings this back to share with his people to make his world a better place and i mean how is how incredible is it that you two have all the power at your fingertips to influence the collective consciousness responsibly and positively in this way?
1: I'd like your response on that, Kevin.
3: <laughs> you know what? The only way to beat Hollywood is to go around the system. You gotta I mean, I have found out certainly the last couple of years with my own production company that the only way to get things done, the way I want to get things done, is just to do it myself and put together my own team of people and put together, uh, you know, from the film creed to the actors I want to hire because Hollywood will always drag things out. Hollywood moves at a very glacial speed, and especially if you're not on their timetable, they don't care. And uh, so it, it is, it is in a way, up to us to to sort of buck the tra- trend and buck the system and kind of do things our own way to try to bring, uh, I think, a better quality of of you know movies and television to people out there but you know it's it's not an easy road and especially with the economy today I mean to find distribution to find money Todd knows it's it's not an easy thing
1: what about Kevin staying with you I did put in my notes the spaghetti western era sure. uh, what did you what do you think that that characterized I mean it certainly increased the violence in westerns do you think that Maybe that had an implication on on the westerns waning slightly after that in the the eighties and the nineties.
3: No, I don't think so. I mean, you look at the violence that's in movies today on television. I mean, uh, you know you you can't you can't uh, you know talk about talk about God, but you can but you can have a, a rape scene of a man with a with a little boy or a little girl. I mean, you know, it's just the value system is what's got completely warped within Hollywood. And um, I don't think the violence that Clint Eastwood had in his movies, I, I just think that took, took it up a, a, another level to show the violence that was really there. Because let's face it, it was a very, very unlawful society. And, um, you know, it was just a matter of a few good men that came out there that tried to change the West and ultimately succeeded because... You know, as screwed up as California is, it's still, you know, it's a lot tamer than it was back, back in, the, in the Wild West days. There There is there is some law and order with millions and millions and millions of people that are, are good people. It, it, does, it only takes a handful of people to kind of wreck it for everyone. But, um, you know, most people, I think, are inherently good. And, uh, but, you know, the, the Wild West was termed that way for a reason.
1: What about you, Todd, on the spaghetti westerns? Because this really did lay the groundwork for the chalet, you know, this this Indian culture that came into it. Um, they called the Curry Westons. What effect do you think that that had?
4: You know, I, I, interestingly, I actually think that there was a period of time where it it probably revitalized the genre a little bit, <clears throat> because you know, if you remember, in those spaghetti westerns, Clint Eastwood was not the squeaky clean guy. He was he was not John Wayne. Uh he was not Gary Cooper, he was not Robert Mitchum. He was he was a flawed character and he had a he had a dark past but yet he was a guy that, that and we we touched on it before. Uh you know, his you know, Eastwood's role in Unforgiven was you know, what was important to him in that movie was the code. He had a code and his friend was more important to him than anything. And that's really largely why he did what he did and and that is true largely of, of of great Western cinematic characters you know they and i I think that when the spaghetti westerns came around uh, just so I don't like beer too far off track, it probably reinvigorated the genre for about ten years because everybody could go and see you know the good, the bad, and the ugly, and, and two mules for Sister Sarah, and, and, you know, whatever the other ones were. Uh, I know Leone didn't make two mules for Sister Sarah, but that was an American version of a spaghetti western. But, you know, in a weird way, I think it, it probably reinvigorated things for a while, and then it died out again. And that has happened over time. And, you know, Kevin touched on some of that before, but, but really, it, it was economics, you know, Westerns became, they typically were about black and white issues. Uh, I, I don't mean race. I mean, you know, good and bad. And, uh, you know, that became not so in vogue. And the second component was the expense of recreating the period became prohibitive to making a Western. So, you know, I again, I, I you know, it sounds repetitive here, but... but uh, it's going to take some guys that that have a a love of the genre and it's going to take some guys that understand the genre to reinvigorate it again and and try to get some movies made that are meaningful that are westerns and you know i mean you you know 20 years ago you could point to you know who who was your western hero and most everybody would probably point to john wayne some of them might point to robert mitchum or gregory peck or Somebody like that, or the lesser guys like Richard Boone and, and, you know, guys like that that were just phenomenal. But ask that question today, and there really is no answer. You know, somebody might say, well, oh, I love, I love Robert Duvall, but, I mean, you know, Duvall's 80. He's 80 years old. There's not anybody that I can think of other than Costner who is sort of carrying the mantle of the Western film hero. And part of that is it's so damned hard to get a Western made. And, you know, Kevin spoke to that a minute ago. It's it's really hard.
1: Well, in that case, Kevin, what do you have to give up here? I mean, if, if you're, the studios won't do it because there's no returns, do you have to face up to the fact that you're going to make Westerns with little... Profit coming out of it, but doing it for the for the love of it and for the the morality and the principles that, that essentially come out of it for the audience.
3: Well, that could be part of it. I I, I still think there's a profit in it. Like I said, I think the studios are wrong. I mean, look at the, the shows they cancel, the shows that don't get on the air that test very well in test markets. They just don't put them on the air for whatever reason. You know, there, you look at ABC for instance. I mean, good God, Stephen Curson, the president there, he turned down. Um, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, I mean, he brought CSI to them 10, 11 years ago. <laughs> he turned down American Idol, call it a stupid idea. I mean, it just comes down to showing that they really don't know. I mean, you talked you talk about Michael Eisner earlier. I read uh, Disney Wars, and he basically admitted it's like throwing a bunch of spaghetti in the wall, whatever sticks, that's what they go with. They they don't they don't know. They pretend that they know. They'll, they'll BS that they know. But, uh, I, you know, I think with the Western world, I think they're completely wrong, and I think the Western will come back, and I think it will come back uh, quicker, you know, sooner than later.
1: Um, you were terribly impressed with my notes, Kevin. I can tell, and I'm I'm down <laughs> down here. Uh, <laughs> I'm down here, and I've made the statement: the founding fathers and those who fought in the Continental Army were our original Western heroes, guided by the thinkers of the Enlightenment and following in the footsteps of the great warriors of their time. Cool. There's a lot that talks to um, Hercules in that statement, is there not?
3: I think there is, sure. I mean, Hercules, I mean, the the way the character that that I ended up playing him was a very, uh, he he was certainly a hero, and he he always wanted to, uh, you know, not fight. He only, that was, you know, fighting and throwing people around was sort of a last resort, but we also, you know, there's always good morals in that show, there's always good values, but there was also a a very, you know, tongue-firmly. Planted in cheek, sort of humor about the show with a wink, wink, and breaking the fourth wall. like in Gilligan's Island. I always call it Gilligan's Island. Me to push and the Sundance Kid. That's pretty much what <laughs> Hercules. <wife. laughs>
1: That's awesome. And moving on. And this is open season now. Um, and and Susan, you may want to come into this because uh-huh. I, I I said uh, I quoted the book of, Book of Proverbs where there is no vision, the the people perish. And and you know, perhaps that's where world vision, you know, is fundamentally wrong. I mean, w- where can that vision be, you know, turned from this darkness that we're living in today into lightness through through this idea of the Western, through, through making this hero tangible, whether he makes mistakes or doesn't make mistakes or whatever he's going through and whether he's uh, portrayed by somebody like Clint Eastwood's character in Unforgiven, what is the what is the main principle there to to make that happen?
2: Heroes, you know, my idea of a hero is Darth Vader. And funnily enough, Liam Neeson always wanted to play a cowboy. So you might want to contact him. And the reason he became a Jedi was he figured that Jedis were cowboys in space. But if you look at Darth Vader, he was also, um, he had a dodgy background. He was the greatest ever... Jedi warrior who fell to the temptation of lust, greed, predatory greed, um, control, abuse of power, domination, but then ultimately came back into the light. So the hero can be a real mixture, Um, but the most important thing the hero knows is that he can create, he's disciplined, he's like a Shaolin monk. And he understands the importance of disciplining his mind to envision preferred experiences and creates his own future. But when this is missing, this attention or intentionality, our mind becomes the monkey mind. And there are chaotic thoughts and we become totally disconnected from the hero inside, which is what's happening in our world today. So we need to give people via your movies the the knowledge of how to become powerful instead of getting power from external symbols so we need to know we're fish in the sea we need to know where to find the water so that we can transform our world we need to know how the hero can save the day and that if he doesn't we will perish and if we fail to do our personal development work and find that hero within each one of us um, we will perish
1: that, that takes me to you Todd because I know when you were talking about the midnight hour that it was going to be a real challenge in casting that and maybe for you as well Kevin is it is it really difficult? Yeah you've got uh, Duval at 80 and you've got Neeson and, and these older guys but is it difficult right now to cast younger people who can fit the sort of characters that you guys have played in the past?
3: Go ahead, man. No,
1: go ahead.
4: I, You know, there, there's... There's very few. There's there's very few. There's a few guys that get it. That, that get it. And, you know, Susan... Susan has spoken to a couple of really important points about what that is and the origins of... You know, uh, 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 you know what I would call sort of manly honor, and there's a reason that that you know the knights of the Round Table um, sort of flows seamlessly into the ideas of, of a Western. There's a reason that the Seven Samurai was made into a Western called The Magnificent Seven. There's all of those themes are, you know, flow through that kind of material. And I think that's what connects really best of the Westerns. And, to you know, I think, David, to touch on your point, I, there's very few young actors today that are connected probably in the way that Kevin and myself are connected to that kind of material. They didn't grow up on it. They grew up on video games. They grew up on, you know... Uh, you know how great do I look with my shirt off and that's a different thing. It's a different thing. It's not being connected to you know when a when a when a man rides into the town with nothing on his side but right and he goes up against you know the dark forces for that reason alone um, that's an interesting character and when you when you plug that into a, a film that's in the western genre. You can really plug it into any film, but, but since we're talking about westerns today, I'll limit it to that. You, you know, that, I think, is what is at the heart of that kind of a movie. And, you know, I mean, you go back, there's a movie I want to remake. I think I probably mentioned it to you. Um, it, was, it was made in 1948. It's in black and white. It was an RKO picture, and I probably shouldn't say it on the radio, because somebody will go get it out from under me. But but it's a movie called Blood on the Moon. And, Kevin, don't go option this, man. Um, you got to put it's, me in. Uh, it's, uh, it's called Blood on the Moon, and it was an early Robert Mitchum picture. And, you know, what made that movie great was it was directed by a master filmmaker. Um, a guy named Robert Wise, who directed The Sound of Music, who directed, um, uh, oh man, any number of other Oscar winning movies, including The Sand Pebbles with Steve McQueen. So Robert Wise was one of those filmmakers that was, you know, a, a, an artist and a master. And this was a little, you know, goofy hour and 50 minute film made in 1948 where. The female characters were cardboard because the censors in those days made them be. and But there are elements in play of that movie that are incredible. And the story is something like this. I'll just briefly say it. Mitchum is a cowboy who's out of work, out of money, gets called in uh, by an old buddy to come and help him with uh, a range war uh, between ranchers. And when he gets there, he finds out that his former buddy is actually on the wrong side and is in fact the bad guy. And Mitchum gets caught up in that world and everybody in the town and you know, everybody just assumes that he is, you know, a gunfighter and a killer and a bad guy and he gets treated really badly. And the whole movie is about him trying to prove that he's not a bad guy. And it's a really interesting little movie. It's one of those ones I'd really like to remake. But you know
1: what about you, Kevin? Is is that still a, a dilemma of being able to cast younger people in, in films that portray this well role? Know,
3: let me let me let me I'll just say this in a very quick way. Look at Hollywood's perception of the Western and all you have to do is go back as far as Brokeback Mountain. That's their perception of the frickin' western. Okay, (laughs) so it's like you know the last you know piece of masculinity left in 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 anything. They just want to they just want to take it and make completely a different story. Yeah, but um, you know
4: what, man? That that was listen. That was no accident that that movie got made and got all the press that it did. There was an agenda. Sure, there was at work there to to dismantle the myth of you know, the American Western hero. Yeah. And you'll you'll notice that neither Kevin nor I were in that movie. No.
1: Oh, I thought you were.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no. You're 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 heading towards the conspiracy theory route now, you know? My that.
4: my schedule just wouldn't permit it, man. I was gonna do it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood always has conspiracy theory, trust me.
1: But you were saying Kevin though, but I, I I understand what you were saying about that that Movie, and maybe that really started a major disintegration, but how how do you source these these actors in the future to be able to you know really uh, assume this huge character that kids today can be attracted what, to you know, what, can well, connect to
3: Todd kind of set it i mean the, the whole thing about actors that they come in as though they're as, as though they 're getting a modeling gig or something i mean I think like I think. Athletes coming into the sport that they become pros in, I think they should be knowledgeable of the game. I think they should be knowledgeable of the people that came before them that made the game what it is today. And I think actors need to do the same thing. They they should be they should be studying films from thirties, forties, and fifties. There were wonderful scripts written back then. There was a lot more, uh, you know. There's a lot more artistry on on both sides. You look at Hitchcock movies. You look at uh, David Lean movies. You look at all these people. There was a whole different way of filming movies today. Everything is a video game. The movies are a video game. We've lost our patience to sit through a movie and just enjoy it. If it's not um, just constantly, you know, visual effects going on, people don't want to deal with it. And there are there are filmmakers out there that still make adult type movies that are still trying to do that, but they're in the form of you know the, the small indies. And um, you know, it's 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 an uphill battle, but I don't I don't think it's a battle that's going to get going to get lost. I think I think I I know I am. I mean, I'm hearing it from other actors now. I'm hearing it from. Uh, the public out there that, uh, you know, I do convention signing autographs and my little, my little Hercules and Andromeda things, and it, it's interesting to see what the fans have to say and what they want to watch. A movie comes out like The Blind Side, for instance. Well, it's a faith-based movie. You can call it what you want, but it's still a movie about triumph over tragedy. And there's, You know, they're not forcing religion down your throat, but it really opened the eyes to uh, the studios saying, you know, maybe we should start making more movies like this. I mean, if you look at the top grossing movies of all time. The majority of them are comedies or family movies. People want to have, you know, moral movies. They want they want movies that send a message, send a message of hope, of, of real hope, not the kind the government promises. Okay, so there's a whole <laughs> different game going on there.
1: Given that America is not exactly the favorite country around the world right now, Kevin. Well, the press likes to put me on. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> how would you, how, or how are you going to create westerns that that Incorporate all of those features that, you, uh, that you're talking about, but also attract a, a deal where you can have major distribution worldwide? Well, you know,
3: it's a good question. It's a tough question. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of not giving up the ship. I think it's just a matter of keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And I, like I said, I, I sense change. I sense that there will be things happening that people will want to go a different way and a different road. And I see it starting to happen now. But the majority is starting to get frustrated. They're tired of being the silent majority because it, it seems to be the, the, the squeaky wheel um, has always been given the given the break. And I think people are thinking of the point now, just wait a minute. You know, 90% of the people don't believe that way. So why are we letting this smaller percentage of the people control everything that, that's happened to us now? People are getting tired of it. So, I, I, you know, you're going to see a shift. And you're going to see a shift in what people are going to want to watch on TV, a shift in what people are going to want. Trust me, Hollywood still wants to make a buck. If they realize people want to see faith-based movies, they'll make more faith-based movies. It might piss them off, but you know, ultimately, they still want to make a dollar. So, you know, to me, I just, I just kind of just believe and have faith that, uh, that the road's gonna go a different direction. Otherwise, I'd, you know, I'd walk away too. But I'm not ready to walk away. I still love this business with all the crap that goes on within it. I still love the the process and
1: the final product that comes out of that process. For you, Susan Anthony, um, we're coming towards the end of the program here. What is it that, that these guys and filmmakers need to accomplish uh, to, you know, to really realize that power and that strong sense of consciousness in, in these characters that are deemed to be heroes on the screen?
2: Well, um, in terms of what's happening in the world today, um, the going is not all nice and light. And this is when the call for the hero's adventure is strongest and we have to remember it's in the dark repressed shadow aspects of our nature that the work of transformation needs to take place so our cowboy heroes need daring courage cutting honesty to enter these dark places and realize the social lie we've all been trained to believe counter its effects establish truth bring to light the pains and errors of our past, and heal our wounds, both personal and collective. And this is a hero's journey, and get that into a cowboy movie. It'll be a blockbuster.
1: So with all that said, Todd, what do you think? Are you going to go for it?
4: Oh, man, absolutely. A- absolutely. And, you know, um, you know, Kevin touched on a lot of it there just a moment ago, and so did Susan, but it's... I mean, listen, I've said it to you before. It, it is going to take... Um, somebody like kevin somebody like myself somebody like costner um and hopefully we can you know impart some of this stuff to some of these younger guys who have grown up in the business and are clueless really about what this stuff is and what it means because i think it's really important i actually think it's really important to society as a whole uh not just in america but everywhere because the 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 values that we're talking about infusing these characters with, and these these guys on the, on the hero's journey, they're applicable uh, across the board. I mean, look at Braveheart. Look at Braveheart. Yeah, could have been a western.
1: Without, does, uh, without does, question. Does that mean, uh, Kevin? Does that mean that you're having a sort of um, hybrid sort of genre coming in here? That you could be creating uh, uh, films that, yes, they they have a western influence, just like Kelly Syres did with Clint Eastwood. But um, but then other things coming in that that talk to today, talk to the problems that we have. So it makes it very widespread that message.
3: Well, I think so. I mean, he's right. Braveheart—that's a perfect example of of, of uh, that something that could have easily been a western. And uh, you know, I, I think like i said hollywood's still going to want to make money but if you, you can disguise these those values of the western in a different uh, genres, so to speak i think uh that's something that you are going to see as well i mean it, it's certainly out there and it the, looks the money that movie made i mean it was, it's huge and you know, I, I don't i'm I just i'm not giving up the ship trust me in fact i'm fighting back more you know? <laughs> so uh i i you know, to stick with the whole Western theme, I love it. I've got four wonderful scripts right now. I've got one that's half finance, and, you know, we're going to make these things. It's just the economy is just a weapon right now against everybody, and it doesn't matter what business you're in. So it's, it, it, it's tough, but, you know, like I said, I, I love what I do, and I'm not going to give up.
1: And for you, Todd, I know that you've got The Midnight Hour, which is incredible. I mean, is that, are there a lot of aspects in that script that you could be taking from what we're discussing today?
4: You know, yeah, it it's true. It's it's, you know, in that script, I mean, it's certainly not a western, but it's uh there, there's certain values at play in that script that are really important and you know, like Kevin, man, I I've, I've got I I own four westerns and uh you know, I'm you know, I'm sort of undaunted, you know. It, there's a reason that we're out outside the bounds of traditional Hollywood finance trying to raise the money to get these movies made because they will you know, I'm like I'm like Kevin. I, I, I have a, a deep belief that they will work if if we keep our eye on the ball and it's all about the story and how you tell that story. And you know, you look you look at a movie like, you know, the Will Smith Western uh, that was the remake of the Wild Wild West, well you know that that had about as much to
3: do with a western yeah. as you, you know La Caja Fall. And it kind of reflected so, in the box office too. It opened fine but it ended up being a joke. It was a
4: joke. Yeah. It was a joke. So you know there's a reason that, that, that we're out there you know outside the bounds of traditional Hollywood you know sort of fighting the fight to get these kinds of movies made because both of us you know and I'm speaking for Kevin now but both of us believe in them and we believe in the value of them and we we believe in the importance of them really because they, I think they say something about human beings I think they say something about America uh, and I think they're translatable uh, into other cultures so um, I, I think that's the real value of them and if you can find a way to make one and I've made four of them that were 80 million dollar movies and the, the four I want to make are like $10 million and less. So if you can find a way to make one with great actors and a great story, and I've yet to find an actor, Kevin included, that, that doesn't jump at the chance to do a good Western. So I believe it's out there. And I believe that if you can set up a funding mechanism to make them, and you're not reliant on a studio, which will never happen, um, you, can, you can make these movies. And then it's in the, pr- the proof of the pudding is in how does it perform, and how do you get it out there, and how do you release it. And, you know, there's, there's 25 movies sitting in Blockbuster now that are Westerns that, that never saw the light of day in a theater, but they're, they're crap, you know. And I don't think that's the business either of us are in.
1: Kevin, uh, interestingly, you are very tied with the World Fit for Kids. Would you like to be able to, in some way, work the merits of of all of these issues methodologies that we're talking about here in, into that organization?
3: Oh, I already do. Trust me. You know, um, I I already do. It's, it's you know, it's the kids the kids kids want adults in their life. They want people to say no. They really do. It's. It's it, The trouble, I think, was going on our society today, and you, you mentioned earlier about this whole negativity towards America. Well, I think Hollywood leads the way in that. I mean, we used to put out movies that always sent a positive message about America, that sent a positive message about our our soldiers, that sent a positive message about whatever it was, I mean, and, and everybody wanted to be here. I mean, there's still, you know, it push comes to shove. I mean, the rest of the world, uh, if they can't get in trouble, trust me, they still want America on their side. So, I, I, you know, I, I think the press plays up and more in the fact that the world hates us more than more than the world actually does hate us. Uh, I think the world is just disappointed in the direction that this country's been going in. And, um, you know, Hollywood leaps away with that, with all the negative messages. You get movies like Sean Penn puts out. I mean, it's movies that are always just depressing, on the depressing side of life, and taking true-life stories of individuals that are just basically losers in society and trying to glorify them. And I think we need to get back to showing heroes being real heroes.
1: Susan anthony what's uh, w- what are you doing now uh, over these coming months um, very quickly here to to try and push forward on all of your great work?
2: Well, um, I'm following the footsteps of Einstein who said we need a new manner of thinking if mankind is to survive and I've developed the hero series to really push forward that new manner of thinking, and I love what Kevin is doing with a world fit for kids and After listening to you guys today, I really feel you're creating a new manner of thinking and that using a hero's journey formula, we'll have a Harry Cowboy Potter hero meeting the last of the Mohicans, forming a Fellowship of the Rings on the Field of Dreams at the OK Corral. And I think (laughs) it's possible. And there really is chaos in our world today and kids need a navigator. You know, the chaos of change is actually really an opportunity to redefine our beliefs, change our thoughts, and free our minds, to quote Neo in the Matrix. Honoring the parts that work, releasing what doesn't work, and evil exists in our world right alongside the potential for great good. And what we must never lose sight of is that Whichever consciousness we feed wins. That's why movies are so important.
1: What about yourself, Todd? Quick response. Uh, where are you going now? What are you up you to? You know
4: what? I, 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 that, that's beautifully said, Susan. And, and um, Thank you. Um, you know, it's, um, I, I think it's very true. Um, I, I think it's very true. I mean, America, I mean, film, listen, film is an extremely powerful medium. And you can do a lot with it. And America, one of America's greatest exports, is film. And the way other cultures view America is largely uh, dependent upon how they view the, you know, the films that we put out. And you know, there's very few people putting out uh, films of the caliber that we're talking about today. And, you know, I know, I know that's a, a cornerstone of, of my company, Presidio, to put out movies like that, that, that deal with a, a hero's journey like that. And, I, and I, I mean, listen, you know, there's a reason, and I'm not talking politically, but there's a reason that everybody pointed to John Wayne back in the, in the 60s, uh, you know, as a hero. And it, and it wasn't because they knew what his politics were it was because he was that man
2: Yeah,
4: he was that man that could ride in and clean up that town or fix that problem and he did it with a bullet in him he did it with one hand tied behind his back it didn't matter he did it when he was he was morally flawed himself and he found a way to figure out what his path was and i think that's what we're talking about today a little bit and I think it's really important. Um, I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm, I got a lot of respect for Kevin for the things he's accomplished. And, you know, I mean, he he, you know, he sort of gained a lot of notoriety with Hercules. And he didn't sit with that. You know, he's, he's taking that and he's doing something with it. And I got a lot of respect for that. So a lot of guys
3: wouldn't do that.
1: Kevin, uh, Kevin Sorbo. I wish you well with your golf tomorrow. Um, I'm glad you're in San Diego. That's and,
3: wrong. My golf game is pretty good.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're not in Phoenix because it's about 120 today. But you, oh. you must be used to that. <laughs> Kevin Sorbo, Todd Allen, uh, Dr. Susan Anthony uh, from England. Thank you for uh, joining us today for the second in the Western series. I appreciate it.
3: Thank you. Very good fun.
2: Thanks for letting us uh, hang out. And to uh, our
1: listeners, I hope you enjoyed this program as well. And uh, we'll be back with our third Western hopefully next month. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org.
4: tune into inner speak soul adventures talk radio show every tuesday evening at 5 p.m pacific time 8 eastern and learn how to let go of your past and create the reality you desire and deserve allowing your inner communication to take place more easily without the interference of our noisy mind chatter or your ego inner speak soul adventures with gene adrian right here on the seventh wave network as a new era approaches December 2012, Evolution invites you to expand awareness now to become the magnificent creator you forgot you are. Explore beyond current sensory perceptions with hosts Doreen Agostino to align body, mind, spirit, and unleash inner wealth. Discover and apply universal success principles to consciously and deliberately create your life. To align with inner truth, shine light of new thought, and joyfully prosper. Tune in Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldona and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldona will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Grow Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Annie Armin.
0: Why teens, you have got to tune into this show and listen to your fellow teens. If you're out there confused because somebody is trying to put doubts in you, making you think that you can't do what you want to do, get it straight. You can, you will, and you will get it done no matter what. And don't ever give up because you're not alone.
4: Don't miss Annie Arman live on Voice America, Wednesdays from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time.